Recording from the Financial Coach offices in Westchester, PA, this is Untucked, a podcast hosted by three financial advisors discussing markets, investing, and a bunch of other stuff. I'm Megan Tate, and I'll be joined by Mike Trainer and Jeff Masternardo. Let's get started. The opinions expressed on this podcast are our own and do not reflect the opinions or views of FC Advisory, the Financial Coach Group, or the New Wealth Project. Nothing discussed on this podcast should be interpreted as investment advice. Welcome to Untucked. (laughs) Um, I'm Megan. And Mike. This is Jeff. Jeff with a fun fact. Did you know there's an underwater version of rugby creatively called underwater rugby? It's a contact sport between two teams of six competing underwater in a pool to score points while freediving. Are you submerged the whole time? You're submerged. So well, it's not like what does while freediving mean? So they have like snorkels. Just Google underwater rugby. They have snorkels. The ball is placed at the bottom of the pool. Does the ball float? No. They go underwater, wrestle for it, pass it back and forth to each other, swimming to get it to the other side. Did this just happen one time on like spring break uh, with a bunch of dudes and now no. it's like supposedly no, a it, sport? It's clearly not. I mean, it's, it's an official sport. It's not an official sport. We can't make statements like that. Um, okay, so I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent. How difficult is water polo? Uh, I've actually played a game of water polo um, last year. Yeah. Only thing was caveat, water was only chest high. Right. If you can stand, it doesn't count. <laughs> so it wasn't that difficult. That's called pool volleyball. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, 100%. Very impressive uh, yeah. people that can do that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why you would ever do it. I don't understand why you would want to tread water for three hours or however long water polo is. But it's also like, it's physical. And you have yeah, to yeah. wear those. You get, you, get, you get your ass kicked out there. You get grabbed and yeah. like like headlocked and everything else. Drowned. What's the What's the purpose of like the earmuffs that they wear? Oh, yeah, you're right. Like it, over it was, the caps. Yeah, the caps over their ears. They're really I don't goofy. know. I was going to say they're so like you don't head get thongs. like Water in the ears. ear. Maybe. Uh, Water in the ear, and then, you're, the then ear. you're out, out of commission. <laughs> yeah. I did Swimmers wear the earmuffs. Ears, a bitch. You did? Yep. Oh, my I have God. A wait, pi- I have a picture of it. did you do this? Why? Last year, a year ago. He was in like, he was we were at, like a Jamaican yeah, vacation we were at, uh, with like six couples. Dominican, yeah. doesn't count. I thought you like... Participate in like a men's water polo league. No, no, no. The other feat, though, I can't believe I'm talking about this. How does somebody run 26 miles at a four and a half minute pace? How is that possible? Human growth hormone. No, no, no. These are the Kenyans. Drugs involved. No, there have to be drugs involved. Why do there have to be drugs? Because it just seems impossible to me that you can keep that pace for that long. It's impossible to really average human beings like us. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And then the chick ran it in like 2.14. Like she ran it in what she broke a record for females ever having if, in. If I had to guess, they're basically just like skeletons out there running. Like they weigh like 80 pounds. What would be your, your mile time, Jeff, if you had to? And let's say we gave you like three weeks to train. Oh, an entire three weeks, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, six and a half. Six and a half would be, yeah. your, would be your tops? Yeah. yeah. Damn. Yeah. I'd come in at like a solid nine. <laughs> you can run nine right now. Oh, yeah. Three weeks is going to make a big difference. Um, all, right, all right. Phillies. Phillies sports. Okay. So what we have Eagles, a little bit of Flyers. We have one Flyers game. We have one mm-hmm. Eagles game. Did we talk about Gabe getting fired on the last pod or was he not fired yet? He was not fired yet. He's okay, gone. So Kapler's gone. Uh, I mean, I have really no what opinion was that, on two that. Two seasons? Was that two? Two, yeah. Two, two yeah. Out of it? Okay. Yep. He was what? One game below 500? As a, uh, as a manager? What'd you think, Train? Was it time for him to go? Do you think a manager really has that much of an impact over 162 games? No. I can't imagine it's that 
big of a deal. I mean, Managerial record. I think record, maybe you have like your Joe Tories and your like legendary managers, but then everybody else is just a dude in a uniform, right? I would probably disagree with that. And I was where you were until a buddy of mine who played baseball through college. I was talking to him about Gabe because I was a Gabe supporter. Like Gabe isn't out there throwing pitches and taking balls and strikes. I mean, the players have to perform, and they they sucked. I mean, they just were not good players. And his point was, look, if your boss didn't give a shit what you did every day, you wouldn't be motivated. And these guys just did not want to play for this guy because he didn't. They didn't give a shit. They, he, they didn't, he didn't come down on them if they didn't hustle, if they didn't run out of a, a grounder. They just had given up playing, which I find odd because they're professionals. Yeah. They're but adults. They're, but they're still, they're still human. They're grown-ass men. I, I, I kind of feel like there has to be some personal motivation and internal like willingness to try. And I don't know how much a, a baseball manager is going to – or any coach for that matter. The Eagles shouldn't have won the Super Bowl a few years ago. But because they were the, the culture that was created, and I would argue from Doug Peterson down, shaped that winning personality and it got them. Mm, I think the players on, in the room, the players on the field and on the sidelines have more to do with that culture than the head coach. I also think, I mean, and I, I don't know, I haven't followed a lot of the Philly stuff, but like from what I'm reading, people think that like Gabe was a way – for there to be like a scapegoat like the front office has problems they there's hiring and firing that needs to be done but he's the face and it shows that they're doing something so i don't know that anyone's like blaming him yeah and it's i think it's hard to really know because we know so i mean what's what's funny is in this world where there's so much information out there you really don't know what's happening behind closed doors in sports organizations right yeah that's a good point so for my friend to tell me Look, they gave up on him. Well, he may be blasting them behind closed doors, but just doesn't publicly let that out. Or throw players under the bus like other right. coaches can do. Okay. Um, so the Phils are, are in search and need of a, of a manager. Yes. Another grown-ass man wearing a baseball uniform. To coach other grown-ass men wearing a baseball <laughs> uniform. Yes. <laughs> um, birds. Ugh. I don't even know if I want to talk about it. Really? I didn't want to upset. Snap, you predicted so. it though. You thought they were going to lose. Yes, you're right, trains. I did. <laughs> didn't you? <laughs> We'd have to roll the tapes. I don't remember. I actually, leading up to the game, I thought they were going to go into Minnesota and win. Just being a, a blind Philly fan. Um, and I just don't think Kirk Cousins. Is, I don't think Kirk Cousins is that good. And I don't think the the Vikings are that good. I mean, I thought our our offense would have been able to compete. And it turns out they, they, they didn't, and they couldn't. Because I was afraid of Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen, no doubt, because our, our, our cornerbacks and our safeties suck. So I thought that they would get fried, which they did. But I thought our offense would step up, man, and they, they didn't. They miss Jackson so badly, right? I mean, or someone like him. I heard it was like Zach Ertz, worst, the worst game of his career. He was non-existent. He wasn't there. He had like there. two drops. He, he sucked. A fumble or something. I was listening to the to sports radio the other day driving home from work, and a caller called in. He actually had half a brain. And he he referenced one team. Um, call it. It wasn't it wasn't Minnesota, but he referenced one team, like like the New Orleans Saints, and said, if they need a play, they go to Alvin Kamara. Or, you know, something like that. Like, the Eagles don't have anyone to go to to make a play. And it's unbelievable that one person out of the 22 on the field makes that much of a difference. Like, we don't have a playmaker. How the hell can Carson Wentz succeed without a playmaker? I thought the biggest problem was on the defensive side. The, the backs were so bad. And... That forces the offense into a tough spot where they're desperate. But, I mean, I, I read some stat where they track how in tight the passes were from Minnesota, like the receptions that they had, as an indicator to, like, how wide open the guys were. And it was, like, the most wide open anybody's been all year, any any game in the NFL. Yeah, no one no one was near No one was near anyone. Yeah. 
but when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, there wasn't a whole lot of defense played either. That's why I expected more of a shootout from off, from us offensively, and it, it wasn't there. Which so much so that like I start I started tuning out. Hmm. Like I started just flipping the red zone and staying there because the Eagles were that bad. Well, so is everyone else. Three and three still division tie division lead, yeah. right? Tied, yeah, so. they go into Dallas and win. They're first in the NFC East. You guys are sheep, dude. You're just sheep. We're sheep? Yeah, followers. Blindly following. As opposed to what? Writing off the season? No, this? being realistic. But realistic, but realistic it's also, not fun. But it, but that's also acknowledging that every other team in the league, for the most part, is the same, inconsistent, can be really bad, kind of, you know, pick them games almost sometimes. I mean, there's very. it's not like you got, you know, Six teams that are undefeated. Does it drive you crazy that New England's just always awesome? No. Have no. we moved, have we moved past that the crazy like feeling horrible I about? I kind of don't just... care about them at all. But I mean, like nobody would have thought that the Niners would be undefeated at this point, right? That's why you play the game. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the biggest game of the season for the Eagles. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> They got to win it. They got to beat Dallas. If they don't, I think they go spiraling. If they do, then they start to... Because they're clearly not playing up to their potential. They're not playing as well as they should be playing. And they have some missing pieces. So if they can if they can somehow beat Dallas in Dallas, then I think... The, are they on a bye the week after that? And then they they hopefully get a few players back, which, by the way... I don't think Deshaun Jackson's coming back this year. He'll be back for playoffs. I think rumor is it's a hernia. Really? And if that's the case, like he's he's t- he's done. Dude, he played one game. So they have <clears throat> Cowboys, Bills, Bears, Pats. Oh, yeah, bye after the Bears. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I mean I think they just they have to cuz their 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 schedule gets lighter or easier, I should say. Um yeah, this is this is a biggie. Didn't they already play the Bears this year? No. No. I love how they just released Zach Brown. Gone. Just cut him. I don't think he was a starter. I think he was, wasn't he? Or he, he was I, in there for injury. He was starting yeah. because of injury. I think he's a no-namer, and the fact that he made that stupid-ass <laughs> comment, and then we got set on fire. Yeah, see you later, Zach. Apparently, there's many teams that are interested there's a lot of Zach Browns out there. Yeah. To be so honest. you guys, what's your what are your predictions Sunday night? Eight eight twenty prime time. Birds <sighs> boys. Can we start a petition to get these games on earlier, please? Eight twenty is a toughie. <laughs> what's your take? Who do you take? Birds. Like convincingly. Give me a score. <laughs> I got thirty one twenty one. Oof, damn. Uh. 24-14. Okay. I, I have to like do math about like how many That's points pretty can much you exactly actually... what I just said. And... <laughs> no, you have way more points. <laughs> One each. One touchdown each. Yep. Uh, Cowboys 17, Birds 3. <laughs> wow. All right. It's on the tape, dude. <laughs> You're rolling your eyes a lot. Um, Flyers? Uh, not much there. They're, they're, um, they played one game. They've only played three games. They actually look reasonably good in those three games so um two and one yeah atop the standings well i mean they're playing well and they're they're noticeably different than they've been so i think that's all you care about um good stuff so far what would they just get rid of a lot of dead weight a lot of old players i think you fresh can tell faces the difference i think I, I think you can tell the difference in the who's coaching the team the way they're playing um they've got different power play looks out there it's, it, it looks to be working Hayes is a factor so the coach in hockey is a way more determining factor of play than, there, the, than the coach in baseball. I mean, similar to football, and there's a system that's played, and it can be either you know run and gun or defensively oriented and different looks. Okay. But still, the personnel on the field or the ice have to you know, yeah. make plays. Anything happened with the Sixers recently, Meg? We still in preseason? Yeah, they open up at home against the Celtics next week. Nice. Yeah. Horford's former team. Horford's former team. You got it. Um, 
I mean, I, as far as anyone can tell, the preseason's gone well. Everyone's very excited about my Matisse Thibel, the first round draft pick. So Has we'll Ben say. made another three pointer since his first? I don't think he's taken any. Okay. Um, there's clips of him shooting a couple pull up jumpers in traffic. <laughs> Attempted and he made? Yeah, made. Oh, okay. Makes, made. Yeah. I mean, highlight reels only show the makes. Right. I haven't watched a full preseason game this preseason, so this is mostly coming from Twitter. Gotcha. Shall we get into our articles? Let's do it. Well, the first one's actually a tweet. Okay. I'm going to start with Rick Ferry, if we're cool with that. Ferry? Ferry? Um, Mike, can you just give a quick summary of who he is? He's uh, an advisor that's fairly well known in the industry. He's, he's been around a long time. Um, he's been a longtime sort of proponent of low cost indexing, simplicity, you know, all good concepts, all the, all the right philosophies in our view. Um, but he has been recently kind of been very vocal um, and critical of advisors who charge asset based fees and specifically like say 1% of assets as opposed to like a quarter of that. And he's gotten into some arguments in the Twitter sphere with others who are basically saying, Hey man, like if it's transparent and we, you know, our clients are willing to pay this, you know, what's your beef? And he's, he's just been really like, um, overly oddly vocal about it. Um, his own business model is now, I think he charges an hourly rate and he's really trying to trying to defend that as the only thing that is defensible in the future. Cause all you other advisors are overcharging your clients. And we have, I think, a pretty strong opinion of that. Um, it's just a weird, a weird um, position to take publicly because he's gotten. And if you if you read the, the thread, there's a ton of backlash from people that are like, "Yo, dude, um, my clients get a lot of value from what I give them, and they're they're happy to if they if they weren't happy with my fee, they would leave." Kind of that. that yeah, sort of he was thing. very dickish about it. Yeah. Which, which was the only thing I didn't like. Like I get, look, you want to charge hourly? Go ahead. That's fine. There's And like one guy in a thread was like, look, good on you. If that's what works for you, good. And he had to like snap back at the guy. And I get it, it's Twitter. But look, we're in a great place right now in the financial planning industry. You can choose, as a consumer, you can choose how you want to pay for it in many different forms and ma- many different amounts. Find one that you're comfortable with and go with that. But to to blast everyone else because they don't do it your way, I found kind of annoying. You know, one guy was like, look, if I charge an asset-based fee to manage investments like a robo, right? So Vanguard charges, what, 30 bips? So I'll charge 30 bips to to run money or to manage money for clients or custody and, 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 and trade for clients. And then I'll charge him fifteen thousand a year for financial planning. Is that, is that quote unquote overcharging Rick? And he like blasted that guy. Well, Rick, what's his name's Rick, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, what's <laughs> what's fair? who is he to say what's a fair amount to charge for financial planning? Well, I uh, there was one tweet that said your ad. And this was a response to Rick. You're advocating for a transactional relationship. No thanks. More clients and it's less personal more clients and less personal value is not the future. And he replied to that, there is a relationship, an as-needed relationship. And I just thought, how backwards? Like, obviously my experience is here, but the proactivity in what we do and the proactive nature of the engagement that our clients get, I mean, it's none of it's as-needed. They don't know what they need. Like, isn't it our job to be providing that information and that education to them so that they're not making reactive decisions. Yeah. And I feel like he's just trying to create an angle for himself with, with all of this. Um, and that could just be me being cynical about it, but you know, you're, you're, he's, he's out there just denouncing anyone who's charging more than a quarter of a percentage point, um, for, comprehensive services too right i mean his point is you clients don't need comprehensive services all the time every year consistently so in a given year if you're charging somebody fifteen thousand dollars that's just you're you're 
you're taking advantage of them. Um, and that's just, I think that's just, um, I think it's self-serving, to be honest. I, I can't think of any other reason why he'd be so public about it other than trying to call attention to his his unbelievably, you know, great value model for clients that are looking for planning. Yeah, I mean, it, if you sit down with a client who's who's buying a new home and they want to, they're retirees and they want to pay cash for it, and let's say we're able to educate them on, well, you can get a 30-year fixed mortgage for 3% right now for half a million dollars. And over the next 30 years, that half a million that you didn't take out of your investment earns six. I'll make up a number. That's a three-point spread on half a million bucks. Isn't that like $15,000 a year? Now, obviously, there's depreciation of the mortgage and yada, yada, yada. But like, that's real money. And what should I charge them for that advice, Rick? Because I don't manage the house. I manage their money. But I'm giving them advice on their home. And it was valuable advice. Now, if they're just uncomfortable with debt, fine, pay it off. But from a pure number standpoint, that would make sense. What is that worth? And he, like, it's, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what it's not worth. 150 bucks an hour. That's bullshit. It's worth way more than that. And to just devalue it, I think is just a competitor of ours just being the bottom of the barrel price just to build your business. Okay. And I just think he's missing the, the the real point to me is transparency and forthrightness with where any and all fees come from. So there's a lot of clients that pay hidden fees that they're not even aware of in the form of, you know, high expenses on their funds or 12B1s or other forms of compensation that that kind of doesn't appear on their statement, let's say. Whereas, you know, in, in our world, I mean, every single dime that we get paid is directly and transparently, you know, displayed and our clients know exactly what it is. And that's, that's the most important part of it. Not the, the absolute level, whether 1% is too much or too, too little or 25, what's the right number. Um, so anyway, I just thought it was a little, a little dopey. Yeah. And if they don't like it, they can go find a cheaper alternative. Yeah. And I hope, look, if they can find cheaper at the same level of service, I would encourage them to do it. I just, I don't think there's a whole lot out there. Why doesn't he come down on like personal injury attorneys? <laughs> you know, the guys that have a, tw- a million dollar lawsuit settlement and they keep 30% of it. Like, are they are they unfairly paid? Yeah. Why the, is it th- 30% is too high, isn't it? Or the client gets $700,000 because they burned their hand on a cup of coffee. As opposed to they wouldn't have gotten anything if they tried to defend themselves or nowhere near that amount. Like, I just, what's his beef, man? Like, I I agree with you. I'm as cynical as you are. He's got another angle and it's to to get popularity through Twitter. He's turned into, he used to post and write about subject matter that, and he always had a, a reasonable and simple take on it, which is, you know, keep costs low. You don't, you know, rebalance every now and then. You don't need to, you know, try to outperform you know the, the benchmark all that stuff and now it's just turned into bashing asset-based advisory fees and it, you you don't have to agree with how other people are compensated and how they run their business but i just don't understand why you have to bash yeah. them unless he feels that strongly that it's so absurd for what they charge what we charge and i just don't agree with them the amount of replies compared to like it's like called the ratio or whatever the amount of replies compared to like retweets and likes is pretty staggering so we're not the only people who feel a need to yeah (laughs) to put rick in his place okay anything more on that no nope um terrible business plans wonderful businesses ben carlson wrote this on his blog a wealth of common sense The article discusses business ideas that sound terrible in theory, but are actually very successful. Um, And the way he wrote the article, he he talks about or describes Trader Joe's specifically um, and then tells you after the description what the the company is. Um, He kind of describes their non-traditional business plan, which has garnered them almost like a cult-like following. 
and then he also mentions Red Bull, Uber, and Airbnb as examples of businesses that in their infancy sound crazy, like hailing a stranger to pick you up and take you somewhere, um, but ultimately end up kind of changing the game. I thought it was like a cool article, like a cool way to think about this stuff. <laughs> I loved his, his description of Red Bull. Put the drink in a tiny can, sell it at a high-end price, ensure it's an odd color, and make it taste kind of disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> and it kills it. I kind of interpreted Red Bull. It, it's not, it's not a bad, it's not a bad business model. But Under Armour kind of flew in to the stratosphere, and they had just an unreal marketing tactic, which was just kind of hardcore. It was it was a Ray. Um, Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis and protect this house. And he was just this big, strong guy. And like, you like you looked at like, wow, that's freaking cool. I want to wear Under Armour. And it had a cool logo. And it's kind of like what Red Bull did. I mean, they had a cool logo, a cool can. It was high energy. It was full of caffeine. It appealed to the extreme sports world. And then it started appealing to the drunks when they started mixing <laughs> it with vodka. <laughs> And when you, it's so funny when you, when you read the article, it's like, man, it can't be that hard to think of something that would become this popular, but apparently it is. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was good just because it's, um, when, you, when you think about it from the standpoint of, okay, imagine someone's pitching this idea, you know, whether it's Trader Joe's with no advertising, no sales, no coupons, um, no brand names, um, or, or Red Bull, the, the, the taste tests were awful. People hated the taste of it. Um, and going up against the soft drink kings. I mean, it's just, you, you, you'd say, yeah, no way this works. No way. And, and I think it's interesting because it, it just is a reminder that successful businesses are so hard to predict. Um, stuff that sounds like it would work fails. Uh, yeah, they fail over and over again in the reverse. So it's just really like the, 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 the defying of logic and some of this stuff. And, um, just interesting. I thought it was a good. I thought it was a good take. Uh, Do you think there has to be something else there that kind of grabs it? Like there, I'm sure there have been plenty of Red Bulls, quote unquote Rebels, that have come along that haven't made it. But Red Bull takes that extreme sports, that kind of high energy. Red Bull gives you wings platform, and people are like, "Well, that's it." I'll say and, it's, and you can only have one of them, or else you're going right, to die. Right, and it's like so. It's like cool. Um, Trader Joe's appealed to the more earth-friendly consumer. <laughs> no, it's not a term. I mean, I shop at Trader Joe's, and I don't like my. No, but like isn't, a hippie? Isn't, isn't that like a platform of it? I'm, I'm, I'm completely speculating. I don't know. I don't know. I think Trader Joe's is more very strategically placed, location-wise, in places because it's it's not cheap, right? It's pretty expensive no, it to cheap. shop there. Yeah. It it's oh, like, I thought it was expensive. No, oh, I'm no. wrong about Trader Joe's. Don't they? And it's they don't have plastic bags, right? You use like paper bags or they encourage you to bring your own. But it's totes. all stuff that you can't get at regular like supermarkets, right? Well, pretty much. No, you can get anything you could get at another supermarket. It's just not Stouffer's or like the, the household brand. It's healthier. Like generally, I think that's what people mostly associate with it is that they're, they're healthier alternatives. But like, I mean, you can get ice cream, like pick a bad food for you. You can get a Trader Joe's version of it. No lucky charms though. No, <laughs> but they have like, they have cereal, they have sugar, they have sugar um, cereal. I, I think the Trader Joe's, the people that Trader Joe's appeals to is probably a little more like environmentally conscious. Maybe not. What did you say? Earth friendly. Earth friendly. It's the same term, Meg. You just, um, <laughs> you just dressed it up. But I think they're, the healthy component, the organic piece, um, like the the fresh, the farm to table, that kind of vibe. Uh, I think also, though, it's like it's a good place to shop when you're not buying for like a family of 150. Like you there's the serving sizes are smaller the portions are smaller so a single person or a couple with only two people don't have to worry about going there and feeling like they're buying in bulk i know that's why i shop there because i don't waste nearly as much yeah. food because they're in smaller portion sizes yeah i just think there, there has to be some other component because you think about how they describe these companies and i'm sure there had to be other soft drinks that failed 
It's probably, I mean, luck, right? Like timing. I think I some mean, of there's it's luck. Components yeah. to that. Sure. I liked his quote. The fatal issue is that logic always gets you to the to exactly the same place as your competitors. Mm-hmm. Like if you're thinking logically, you're not going to create anything unique. Well, that's why these people who come up with these ideas are so impressive to me because they're able to like not have their brain clouded by what already exists. Right. Right. We're so influenced by what's already here to think outside that box is hard. And people who can do that and come up with like really cool ideas. You think they're just high all the time? Is that how they do it? I mean, good for them, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) We can maybe try it. (laughs) What was his, um, he was getting to, he, he was making a point about you can build like a faster train that gets you from point A to point B 20% faster. But I think what people may be looking forward in the future is not technology enhancements, but maybe experience enhancements. Yeah, like like spend way less, but make it not 20% faster, but 20% more enjoyable or comfortable yeah. or, or something that you, because the, like the example of riding a train, it's pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, and his point there is that, that could be where you see a ton of, successful future you know endeavors which is yeah just making things more convenient comfortable easy for consumers it's not that expensive to do maybe right like if 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 the train ride from from philly to new york is an hour and it's absolutely brutal i would prefer instead of getting there in 45 minutes or 47 minutes the hour be an enjoyable train ride make it productive have it convenient where i can have access to stuff to help me work or entertainment value or something uh, rather than make the trip shorter. Because mm-hmm. a 45-minute brutal train ride to me is just as bad as an hour. Yeah. Does anybody have any other examples of a good business that's unusual? The thing is, the, the, all the stuff that's going on now, I, I just read some the, the quote, which was, okay, if you woke up on a Casper mattress and then you took... <laughs> and Uber to whatever, and then you had DoorDash bring you your food, and what? Just name five or six of those, and they collectively lose fourteen billion a year. Um, point being, like all of these great ideas that we're benefiting from as consumers, these businesses are losing a shitload of money, and we're taking advantage of them. Kind of, we're ripping them off as opposed to the other way around, and that's probably not sustainable. But we're getting the benefits of as consumers of these market share grab businesses that get a lot of funding and probably are not going to end well. So we should enjoy a while. Take advantage. Yeah, I'm here for it. (laughs) I mean, does anybody ever pay for an Uber ride and think, oh, man, I got ripped off? Like, it's pretty much all the time you're like, I can't believe that was like 15 bucks for me to get from Like occasionally I'll be like, I'm going to check Lyft. (laughs) But... It's like maybe a dollar cheaper, or but the it's DoorDash. 12 they minutes show up later. And it costs like three bucks for that. Like, yeah. My daughter and her friends were in Ocean City over Memorial Day weekend a few years ago. And we were hanging out the house, the parents, and were drinking, so we couldn't go pick them up. So we said, well, we'll Uber them back. And it was a $250 Uber ride from Ocean City to Sea Isle, New Jersey. So, yes, I've had an experience where I felt ripped off by Uber. But even in that case, the alternative... Was driving drunk and possibly killing several people. Yeah. Or getting a DUI that cost way more than $250. So. I actually tried to fight it. I think I remember. I don't think anyone... We tried I don't to- think humans work at Uber. <laughs> you can't contact them. It's, I think it's all through the app. and Yeah. yeah you, can't, you can't really fight it. <laughs> so, do you think Uber is not going to make it? Not the way that's set up with the economics. Um, it just might end up costing everyone a lot more to use it. Yeah, so you wait for Uber to figure it out or whoever takes over Uber. They perfect the model and then just from there create a better model, a more in- entertaining, a more enjoyable Uber experience. You could probably, well, you can't do it now, but now, Uber's, I guess, trying to do that. They have like Uber X or Uber Black is like the, the fancy Uber. I feel like what Uber's done, because Uber Black has always been there. That was like the original Uber was Uber Black. And then they came out with Uber X, which was the 
like cheaper version of that. And now they have Uber pool, which is the cheaper version of that. So you can get in the car with other people. people. So I think what they've tried to do instead of maybe improving your ride experience, they've recognized that people are doing this for like a cost effective way to get from A to B. So they're trying to give you different like options to do that. And back to our fee conversation, I'd rather if I'm going out to dinner with my wife and I don't want to drive, pay up for service than carpool with three other right. people. Right. Rick, there's options yeah, Rick. out there. <laughs> and I'd prefer to pay the higher. Have you guys ever done an Uber pool? No, I never. I don't think so. Oh, don't. I've done it like twice. It's not worth the like $3 you save. Moving on to Fortnite. Fortnite Goes Dark, a masterful marketing stroke by Epic Games. This was from Variety. Todd Spangler wrote it. The marketing strategy that's been around for years, that drug dealers have employed for centuries. Well, how about you describe, Jeff, since you're a Fortnite Since you're the Fortnite guy. What happened? You're happens? an active uh, player. user. Is that player. what a player? Are, a player? You a, are you a, a player? squad? Or are you a gamer? <laughs> I feel like I'm being attacked right now. <laughs> Uh, I wouldn't classify myself as a gamer. Do you have a headset? Uh, yes. You can't play the game without a headset. You're at a, you're at a, a very strategic disadvantage if you don't have a headset. I think only gamers have headsets. Yeah. All right. Then I guess I qualify as a gamer. Uh, it was in... So this was the first iteration of Fortnite, and this was their 10th season. So every season lasts about 10 weeks or so, where you're in the game and you can earn rewards for playing that season. So this was the 10th season and they, at the end of each season, there's like a little bit of a trailer or a movie that leads into the next season. Well, the trailer at the end of the 10th season was a pretty much a black hole that sucked the entire game into the black hole and it went dark. I actually felt like I was watching the final episode of Sopranos because it went dark and my two boys were looking at me like, what the hell just happened? And it stayed dark for roughly 24 hours. Okay. So they pulled the game. Like you couldn't log in. If you logged in, you just saw basically a black screen with a with a black hole ring in the middle of it. And there was no there was no um, communication of right. Their social media platforms went black. They deleted all their Twitter posts. Everything was black. The trailer was called the end so leading up to it there was rumors and speculation that this was the end of Fortnite. um and then this morning it was back so i don't think epic waited long enough i think there could have been maybe so Wait. let me understand there's 250 million registered users of it or whatever the word is and the only way they make money is by by people buying like skins and things like that. Is that accurate? Yeah, the game's free. So then if you want to subscribe during the season to be able to unlock rewards, you have to buy what they call a battle pass, which is about 10 bucks. And then that gets you 10 weeks of being able to earn different rewards. So you can do that. So they're getting 10 bucks from... 250 million now not all, not everybody yep. subscribes for that and then every day they change what they call the item shop which is where they sell different skins different accessories for your skins and kids absolutely like go apeshit for mm-hmm. that stuff I, I can't believe they do i can't believe their parents because i've trained my boys like you do not buy like video game characters because you like, right. you earn them during the course of the season that you play you just may not earn that one but it's crazy man this company is so smart because the kids look at if like a certain character or skin in the game is what they would call they'll call it like OG right so only the really good players have that one so as your kid gets better at playing they want some of the older skins and Fortnite would wait season after season and then release them. So then people want to buy them. So this has kind of been like 
the delayed gratification has been kind of their mo anyway. Like this strategy is not super new. No, it's not. It's not totally new. for them. I mean, yeah. So when Fortnite like first came out, I think it was around Halloween. So there was a lot of accessories and skins that were Halloween related, and not a lot of people have them because they weren't playing Fortnite from day one. So they, you know, the next Halloween came around, came around, and they released those skins again. So a bunch of people bought them. The next Christmas came around, they released some of those skins again. So a bunch of people bought them. Um, I mean, I just can't get over how damn popular the game is. I kind of heard that it was sort of like running its course, though, no? Like kind of people, because I know my son's not playing nearly as much. Yeah, I think. but so. I think he sold some skins to some other kids or something. <laughs> Maybe sold his account. I don't know. As he grows out of it, just like anything else. Yeah. I mean, there's a ne- the next generation coming up. Yeah, I don't think it's losing much ground at all. I mean, the kid won $3 million in, when was that? That was over the summer, right? Yeah. For winning the Fortnite World Cup. Yeah, he was from Pennsylvania. $3 million. He was like 16 years old. Mm-hmm. That's how popular it is that a 16-year-old won $3 million playing a video game. Shit, if I knew that years ago, I mean, my... My Sega Genesis game would have been like greatly improved. I would have spent hours. So, the whole esports thing does this qualify as an esport? Yeah, it it does. Sure. Okay. I mean, that's huge business. Yeah. Not just Fortnite, but other. I don't even know. Other Madden. Games. I mean, Madden started it. Gamers. Yeah, Madden started with. You know. Madden. Yeah. Like. Go to a go to a uh, not a gymnasium, but a stadium somewhere, and I play you in Madden football, and yeah. whoever comes out on top after three days of a tournament wins X amount of dollars. Do you watch Ballers? No. No. In the in the last episode, they had one of the storylines was one of the guys was part of a gamer team, and they were competing in a oh. one of those like tournaments where there's a huge entry fee, and there's like forty teams of nerds that are all collecting and playing like against one another and people are making investments in the team and like buying them i mean insane amount of money if that's real which i think it is it probably is i mean i've never heard that but i would guess it, it that it is yeah i don't know i don't get i mean i get it but i have no interest in even yeah playing the the, the game so my son was playing this morning cuz he played hooky today um, my seven-year-old was dead asleep in his bed, dead asleep. I was home watching him. I, I, I go in his room. I go, son. You don't want to say his name. Right, no, I can't. All of our listeners might track him down. Uh, I go, I go, Fortnite's back. His eyes open up and he runs downstairs. He plays a game. And as you know, the game's 100 people land on the map and they fight to the death until there's one left. Yep, knew that. He killed seven people, so he was having a good game, and then he died. Somebody killed him with like maybe four people left. He cried. Like, like he cried. Like that's how invested emotionally this eight-year-old is in this game. So it's way different than video. It's 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 almost too much, I would say. The I think time it's, commitment is huge. It's just yeah. it, the time that is invested to get good at it. Yeah, it's insane. You it's have like a sport. Yeah, you know. Yeah. That's what's, and I think that's what's so disappointing about it is these kids are too young to understand. Just go out and play for, just go play it for fun. Like I get it. Like when my kid dies and he's crying, I'm like, just go, just go play another game. And you can't expect to win every game or any for that matter. So just play another one. And they can't. So in order for them to get better, I mean, they literally have to play. Like the, the, one of the top gamers is Ninja. I mean, he says, he was yeah. on like Good Morning America. He said, he plays like 13 hours a day. Oh, my God. And the only way you're going to get better is if you play at least eight hours a day. And then what's so insane is that he streams his games and other people watch it on YouTube or Stitch or whatever it is. Twitch. 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 <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Stitch. <laughs> Stitch. And, uh, and he gets paid a ton of money for it for, yeah. from all the eyeballs. It's insane. The fact that there's... People make videos. This is insane to me, and this is the the, the the my kids' generation. 
people make videos of them playing video games and other children watch that, mm-hmm. which is pretty bad in my opinion. But then there's this other universe where they're, the adults will play with like Barbie dolls and they'll make like baby voices back and forth with the Barbie dolls as they, as they film it and little kids watch that. It's it's the most insane thing I've ever. That took a little bit of a turn. I'm yeah. not really. <laughs> well, I want you guys to be aware. It's it's absolutely crazy. I, I believe you. Um, I'm not really sure where the grown ass adults playing with Barbie dolls fits. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> you don't think it fits? No. Um, no I won't take it out. I don't. <laughs> I don't play Fortnite. I've never played Fortnite. I do get a lot of enjoyment out of like the social media reactions to these types of things because people are funny and they take this stuff so seriously and they tweet videos and memes and gifs reacting to this stuff and it's hysterical like even not knowing what they're talking about it's awesome how many videos or memes did you see with people punching tvs in the last day all of them yeah a lot of people in different languages <laughs> kicking, punching, throwing TVs across the room. And all you saw was like the, the, the black hole on the screen, <laughs> which Fortnite initiated. And then they they throw their their TV out so, the window. So isn't some Canadian lawyer trying to lead a, a, a lawsuit against oh. Epic Games because he's claiming that um, Epic created this game with the deliberate intention of having kids become addicted to it. And it, it's akin to you know dopamine or you know cocaine's um yeah chemical well i mean that's hey, the point idiot, that's the whole point of making a video game is so that mm-hmm. you get people hooked on it like yeah right go go sue nintendo for super yeah. mario brothers like that's that's the point of a video game that's why they do it yeah curious to see if that goes anywhere i mean it, it might in canada <laughs> deep pockets of you know on the part of the parent company so you never know Top five. Yeah, I, I, it became obvious to me anyway that I don't like any sequels that have been produced in the last like two decades. <laughs> so all of mine are old. Yeah, there are no good sequels that have come out, I'd say, in the last. Now, I mean, I'm sure a lot of that superhero stuff qualifies. Yeah. I just don't watch any of them. Like, I don't, I have the Marvel stuff, the Batmans, I just don't watch them. So I don't have them on my list. I put a Batman, and I'm not even confident it's a sequel. <laughs> so Dark Knight, yeah, yeah, is that a, it's a yeah, sequel, that was right? A sequel. To that Batman a, Begins. Dark Dark Knight was the one with um, the Joker that died. Heath Ledger, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, Heath Ledger, yeah. That and one Christian was that, Bale. Yep, it's a sequel, right? Yep, but it's also like a prequel, kind of. <laughs> yeah, I think like the Marvel ones, they all kind of come off of each other. So I don't know if you can necessarily call them sequels. Okay. All right, I'll I'll give you mine. Um and also like I I the Bourne stuff, like the Jason Bourne stuff and like oh. the Mission Impossible stuff, I have seen none of them. So I they're not they're not there. They might be great. I don't know. So here's mine, um no order. I got I again, I had to put Godfather 2 on there because apparently that's like the greatest sequel ever made and Well, are we identifying the sequel that's better than the the original? No, 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 like because most, I think sequels. most sequels suck, and we're just trying to come up with those that didn't suck. That suck less. Good. Gotcha. Um, I've got um, Christmas Vacation, which was pretty much just as good as the as like the original Vacation. Wait, Lampoon, Chevy Chase, and it's those not guys. a sequel. Yeah, yeah, it kind of is. European Vacation was after. Well, the it's, original. It's vacation. a sequel. Well, Christmas isn't the original. The original is Vacation, and no. then Christmas came, and then yeah. there was there was European. I don't no, know I think what European order. was before Christmas. But even if Christmas was after, it's still a sequel. A sequel. <laughs> then it becomes a sequel to European. The European, that counts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought sequel was was second. Yeah, the second. Technically, I, I don't think know. it's I think it's technically, but we're it follows yeah. something, so it works. Right. So we're gonna count that. All right. I got Terminator Two, which was awesome. Back, of course, now you watch it and you're like, this is pathetic. trash. Yeah. But is that the kid at, with the public enemy shirt the whole time? 
I think so. Yeah. Sarah Connor. Is that the name? Laura. She's in every one, man. <laughs> yeah. And she's and a main character of every time. Okay, I like, just wanted to make sure I got her name right. Yep. All of these, remember, at the time were great. Now they don't hold up that great. Um, I got Rocky too. Okay. Rocky two is good. I'll take your word for it. And then um, what else do I have on here? I, you're going to laugh at this one, but Superman 2 was pretty damn good. The original. It was good. With, with, with Chris, Chris Reeve. Oh, he made two? He made, I think, three. Wow. I, three. I don't know if I've ever seen one with him. That one was so old I couldn't put on the list. It, it, that's the thing. It's unwatchable now because <laughs> of the effects and everything, but at the time was great. And again, I have nothing recent to go on here. So that's like you've just given my list. Oh, Rocky two, God. How, I mean, how do you not say Godfather? I, I, I didn't, but only because you knew we were. Sure. So Rocky two, Godfather, Dark Knight, Toy Story two, and Aliens. Aliens was a great sequel to Alien. I kind of forget Aliens. Like, I'm pretty sure I saw it, but I can't remember it. Yeah. In doing this exercise, I realized that I have like a really bad memory. Like <laughs> things that I don't care to keep Just in my go mind away. don't stay. Because <laughs> I was like, I, I was googling sequels, and then I was like, is that the first one? The se-? like, I'm trying to think of the storyline from it. So I put the Dark Knight. I did Deadpool two. Didn't see. And I mostly sequel. did that relative to Deadpool one, which I really enjoyed as well. Yeah. Um. Rush Hour 2 is like one. You're right. way better than Rush Hour. Okay. Um, American Pie 2. Can't really remember it. I mean, it's, it's the, pretty much American in, Pie again for another two hours, right? But it's when they're in college. Oh, okay. <laughs> and they have that like beach house. <laughs> that was Stifler's mom. Stifler's mom, up. yeah. Um, and then Kill Bill 2. Oh, good yeah, one. that's a good... Hey, I thought about that. You really did well yeah. in this one. <laughs> Surprisingly. Can I get that in writing? <laughs> I guess it's recorded. What about next Friday? Ooh. That was a good sequel to Friday. That is a good sequel. Yeah, I should have put that on my list. You want to sign off? Thanks for listening. That's all we have for today. Thanks for listening. Um, the articles we discussed on today's pod will be linked in the episode description on either Spotify or iTunes. Make sure you follow our Twitter at Untucked Pod for updates on new episodes. See you guys next time.